Christmas decorations. They got to come down. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it was a lot of fun putting them up. Some of you may have done that with your family. Wonderful time to put up the decorations. There was a lot of celebrating that went on um, over this Christmas season. And um, they got to come down, though. And you're maybe a little tired, a little exhausted from all the celebrating, but everyone's decorations need to come down at some point. Some waiting until Memorial Day to do so. (laughs) Actually, how many of you uh, answered that question, how many weeks did it go by till you finally took your Christmas tree down? Who's done more than four weeks? Oh, okay, I see one. Oh, yeah, honest. Okay, I've I've done like six, so, you know, don't feel bad. Um, I've gone pretty long. But um, everyone's decorations do eventually have to come down. And really, it's just telling you when you do that that, Christmas is all over. Or is it all over? Today's message is keep the grace of Christmas going. And as we finish up our series, taking a fresh look at Christmas, I hope today's message will lift your spirits a bit and see that Christmas is actually ongoing for those of us who have placed our trust and our hope in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing to you, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Christmas does not have to come to an end. And in fact, it's not supposed to. Because God has something very specific he wants us to do when it comes to Christmas. And we're going to unpack that word Christmas here in just a moment. I want you to kind of take a little virtual bookmark, if you will, on that word Christmas. Put it off to the side. We're going to come right back to it. So just tuck it away. And uh, let's talk about what is it that God wants us to do about Christmas. Something very specific. He wants us to keep Christmas going. But more specifically, he wants us to keep the grace of Christmas going. We're going to be talking about what that means exactly. What does it mean to keep the grace of Christmas going? And for all you dads who are hoping that this message is permission to keep the decorations up for several more weeks, well, this is not the sermon you're looking for. We're going to talk about keeping Christmas going, but not quite like that. So let me give a recap on our sermon series, Taking a Fresh Look at Christmas. It started out about a month ago. Pastor Brian shared the message, why Christmas? It's a good question. Why Christmas? Well, because Jesus. Jesus had to come to bridge the gap between us and God. That's why. That's the answer to Christmas. And then we went into, oh, by the way, and and we we looked at a a verse in there, uh, John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus, Emmanuel, God's amazing grace, the word that has brought life to us. Then came the message, the timing of Christmas, when Jesus came at precisely the right moment in time so that you and I could be sons and daughters, so that we can be in his family. And then peace in our lives, we looked at that verse in Isaiah 9. Unto us a child is born, a son is given. 
wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, peace in our lives. We read it on Christmas cards often. Peace on earth, goodwill towards men. And I say to you that Jesus came to give peace in your life. Not an abstraction to the world, but to you and your life. He wants to bring peace, a peace that surpasses all understanding. And then the trade-off of Christmas, how Jesus gave it all up for you and for me and ultimately became the best gift you and I could ever receive. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, God's beautiful gold wrapping paper around a gift, a box full of his love for you and me. And in this Christmas season, we have to pause to remember that the world needs to know about this message, this gift of Jesus. And it gets lost, though, um, during the season sometimes, you know. Um, the message of grace kind of gets pushed aside for a bit. We lose it in the busyness of the season. It happens. It happens to me. But the world desperately needs to know this message, this message of grace. We need to be reminded, if you have your Bible, turn to John 1.14. There's an outline that you can follow. There's a a few verses there. You might want to just take your Bible, open it up, or if you have your Bible app. John 1.14 says, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth, full of grace and truth. But we can forget. It happens. So keep the grace of Christmas going so that the message of grace is never tossed out. Let's remember the message of grace. We live in a world where grace seems to go against every instinct of humanity, as Philip Yancey wrote in his book, What's So Amazing About Grace? Good works, karma, morality, philosophy, you name it. Every other religion or worldview that is apart from Jesus Christ says that we need to earn what we want to receive. As Peter Wenner wrote recently in a New York Times article on the subject of grace. Or you can can become a cynic. A cynic is someone who distrusts things. I saw a message recently on my Facebook wall feed. It came from a friend of mine. He's quite the cynic. And on that, uh, uh, what he wrote, you know, you've seen these kinds of messages. They're kind of like on a blue background, and they got some quote on it, and, you know, people will post it on their wall, right? And so it came up. And this is what it said. It said, rather than putting Christ in Christmas, I'd settle for putting Christ back in Christians. That's cynicism, I think. I know my friend, he's being a cynic. Uh, but maybe, maybe it's a wake-up call in some ways, too. You know, and uh, when I saw that, I, I really wanted to say to my buddy there, I'd say, wow, dude, like, tell us how you really feel about Christians, you know? <laughs> He puts it right out there for everyone. It's so easy to do these days on your Facebook walls. But that's cynicism, a misplaced cynicism, I think. And um, 
cynics of God's grace will sometimes look at the actions of a few and use that to distrust everything else. They'll toss out the message of grace. I got an instant pot not too long ago. And uh, I really like my Instant Pot. Who has an Instant Pot? Raise your hand if you have one or you've heard of one of these things, okay? Let me tell you. The Instant Pot is a spectacular piece of gadgetry. I have a small kitchen. I do not have room for a lot of gadgets, but there are some gadgets that always stay on my kitchen counter. One of them is a rice cooker, okay? <laughs> Another one is my coffee maker. But one that recently won a spot on my kitchen counter is my Instant Pot. Okay, because I've gone through gadgets, uh, appliances where, you know, you open it, you use it once, and then you kind of put it away because it was like so humbug to either clean that thing or, you know, so you put it away. But the Instant Pot, though, it gains a spot on my kitchen counter. I like to cook, actually. Um, on social media, I'll post pictures of my family and my friends, and I also post picture of food, because I, I do enjoy cooking. And um, one of the things I do is when it comes to cooking, I'm very scientific, okay? I tend to play it very safe when it comes to cooking. When I find uh, a, a recipe on the internet, I do not mess with the recipe, okay? So when you find a recipe on the internet, and you go to allrecipes.com or whatever it is, you get the recipe and you see the directions, you see the ingredients, and for me, I don't mess with that. Why? Because I want to know if that dish didn't come out that great, that it wasn't because I added an ingredient, I replaced something with that, or I threw in some variables that will throw the recipe off. I like to follow the instructions because I don't like surprises in my cooking, okay? I like to know that the dish came out as it's supposed to because I followed the directions. So um, one Monday evening, though, I broke my own rule. So I have my Instant Pot, okay? And uh, I didn't follow the recipe as I should have. Um, what I didn't do is I didn't adapt it to my Instant Pot, the pressure cooker. It's a, it was a dish that you would normally cook like in a Dutch oven or like a big, you know, big pot, and you leave it on a low simmer on your stovetop for hours, okay? Instant Pots, though, like they reduce the time. And um, here, here's that dish. We have a picture of that. Do you know what this is? This is called chicken with 40 cloves of garlic. <laughs> it really has 40 cloves of garlic, okay? You don't do 39, you do 40. Yeah, it's a taste of heaven. It truly is. It's beautiful. Look at that. That's not my picture. Beautiful quarters of chicken with on the bone. You need it on the bone, okay? And uh, it's in an unctuous, braising liquid filled with the sweetness of the garlic. 40 cloves of garlic, and in fact, the garlic gets rendered down so nice and so sweet that you could spread it like butter on crusty bread. I'm making you hungry. I'm getting hungry. My stomach is growling right now. It's got carrots. It's got an aromatics like thyme. It's got a full-bodied wine that you cook out to render it out brings a brightness to the dish. It's got chicken stock. And if you're feeling a little decadent, maybe you throw in a little bit of cream. Well, let me explain to you how an Instant Pot works. An Instant Pot is a pressure cooker. It cooks by increasing the amount of steam pressure in the pot. It locks it in. Nothing cooks out. 
that steam pressure full of those aromatics and that broth and all that good stuff, it, it gets to 250 degrees in the instant pot. Now, normally a liquid only gets to about 212. So imagine that extra 38 degrees with the increased pressure pushing down on the food from the top and all sides. It's pushing 250 degrees of liquid into the food, pushing it into the food, and it reduces the cooking time. The food gets to its thermal destination much quicker. I watch a lot of Elton Brown, okay? <laughs> so that's how a pressure cooker works. But here's the thing. I didn't adapt my recipe to my Instant Pot. Things don't cook out, okay? So everything gets trapped inside. Remember that full-bodied wine I talked about? So do my kids. They remember it quite well. That full-bodied wine with the bouquet of vanilla and rose hips and dandelions, I don't know, with its acidic brightness that it brings to the dish. You remember that? My kids remembered that because this is what happened. When they took a bite of that dish, this is what they said to me. Dad, this tastes like you poured rubbing alcohol all over the chicken. Because if you think about it, that's kind of what I did. I poured rubbing alcohol, an expensive one, mind you, from the California coast, but rubbing alcohol nonetheless. So we couldn't eat that. I wasn't going to let my kids eat that. So we took the entire meal. We threw it away. It was inedible. You can't cook the alcohol at that point. You can't cook it out. And I took that Instant Pot. Oh, you bad Instant Pot. I took that thing with all the rest of the food in there, and I threw it in the trash. Yeah. How dare that Instant Pot make me look like a bad cook? Did I do that? No, of course. Who? You don't throw away an Instant Pot because you cooked a bad meal. You don't do that. It wasn't the Instant Pot's fault. It was my fault. And in the same way, I don't know if we have any dentists here. In the same way, if you had one bad visit with the dentist, does that mean you stop going to the dentist for the rest of your life? No. Does that negate the entire dental profession? No. If you made one bad parenting choice, or two, or three, or a dozen, does that mean you just say, I'm done, I am not parenting anymore? No, you don't get to do that. You don't get to negate the parenting that goes around this world all day, every day because of that. You don't negate that. And you don't refuse dad's cooking because he messed up chicken with 40 cloves of garlic. That's right. That doesn't mean instant pots are pieces of junk. So we mustn't throw out the grace of Jesus because of a bad experience at a church or maybe with a Christian. You don't throw out God's grace because of imperfect people. You don't throw out God's grace because we don't all follow the recipe. And likewise, and this is very important, okay, for all of us, we who have received grace must, mo must not be the ones who withhold grace from others. Or we may be the cause of someone throwing out the instant pot, in a manner of speaking. The world needs more of Jesus. The world needs more grace. Can we keep the grace of Christmas going? 
to those around us. You know, grace motivates people to step in, to engage. And the opposite of grace, ungrace, um, causes them to step off and step back. And even though we're messy people, we have been saved by amazing grace. And that's pretty amazing when you think about it. It has nothing to do with what I do. It has nothing to do with who we are. It has everything to do with Jesus. We don't deserve it. We never will. So if the world needs grace, then what's the answer? God's grace is Jesus. We're going to keep the grace of Christmas going so that God's grace points people to Jesus. That's the answer. The answer is Jesus. The Bible shows us that grace is not abstract. That grace is some feel-good vibe from the universe. The Bible shows us that grace is a person. And that person is Jesus Christ. It has everything to do with Jesus. Everything to do with Jesus. He's our saving grace. He's God's gift for you and me. We're reminded of that in a couple verses here in Titus 3.5 and Romans 5.15. He saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. Or Romans 5.15. But the gift of God's undeserved grace was very different from Adam's sin. That one Sin brought death to many others, yet in an even greater way, Jesus Christ alone brought God's gift of undeserved grace to many people. And Christmas reminds us of the greatest gift of all, Jesus. People need to know that Jesus is our grace. It would be a shame to throw out something that came at such great cost but it's free to anyone who would receive it. So let's keep the grace of Christmas going by pointing people to Jesus every day as often as we can. You know, our actions can speak louder than our words. We need to be reminded that we need to point people to Jesus. It's so incredibly important. But I'm reminded, too, of sometimes... I have pointed people away from Jesus. Can I tell you a story? I went to Yogurtland uh, not that long ago, several months ago. We do go often. My daughter loves Yogurtland. She wants to go all the time. And uh, we did go. And um, out in Waikai, if you've ever been out there, you know how the store looks. And uh, the way it works is that you get your yogurt, you put it in the bowl and you go weigh it and they weigh it for you and it's like I don't know 60 cents an ounce something like that and I go to pay for our yogurt and um, nice lady behind the register rings me up I pay her and then I immediately remember oh shoot I have a membership card to yogurt land uh, young lady would you be so kind as to put that purchase on my reward card and um, and she says I'm sorry, I, I closed the sale. But if you take your receipt, you can go online and get credited on your account that way. And here's what I did. I am so ashamed that I did this. I snatched that receipt out of her hand, and I said, that's annoying. <laughs> and I grabbed 
my pathetic yogurt at that point. But more so, I grabbed my pathetic attitude, and I walked out that door. And I sat down on the bench. My kids were outside. They had no idea what their dad just did. I'm really glad they didn't see that, but now they've heard it. So, um, And my wife, too. And I gave them their yogurt, and they're just you know, eating their yogurt. You know, they love it, and Mina loves her yogurt. And I am so ashamed of what I just did, and God is talking to me like, like a booming voice in my head. I'm sitting on the bench, and God is saying, Danny, go and ask for forgiveness, apologize. And I am telling you, as clear as day, I am having this discussion in my head. And I am rationalizing with God. God, she could void the sale. It's not that hard. 60 seconds is all it takes. Danny, go and apologize. God, you don't understand. I've worked retail before. I know how this works. Danny, go and apologize. Five minutes this goes on. Eventually, I get up. And I go into that store, and she's not there. I, I don't know where she went. There's another guy standing there. And I ask him, kind sir. <laughs> there was a young lady here with shoulder-length hair, and she just rang me up like five minutes ago. Is she around? I, I need to, to tell her something. He, he just looks at me like, no. I'm like, no, no, I mean, no, seriously. She was just here like five minutes ago. He's looking at me like, huh? I'm like, dude. She was just, Danny! Oh, okay. I think she's in the back. I will wait right here. You just, just go get her. Well, he, he goes, it's not a big store. Come on. He goes in the back. He finds her. She comes out. She comes out. She sees me. We make eye contact. She thinks it's round two coming on now. But actually, I just motioned to her, and I, I told her. I said, I'm, I'm so sorry. I asked for your forgiveness. I should not have had that attitude. I'm sorry I put you in that really awkward position. You know, we're going to mess it up sometimes. I mean, like outright do the exact opposite of what God wants us to do. But let the Holy Spirit talk to you in those moments. Like asking for someone's forgiveness or extending forgiveness when maybe you don't think it's deserved. Well, Christmas Day has come and gone. Here we are on uh, December 30th, five days ago, we celebrated Christmas. Oh, man, it's all over. Do you know that interesting place you're in when Christmas has ended and you're waiting for New Year's and you're kind of in that funk? You know what I'm talking about? Oh, man, you know, and the Christmas decorations have to come down. And it was a lot of fun getting to that point, the journey. We put up our tree or we put up our stockings and we, put, we found that family picture that we we're going to put on the Christmas card that we we're going to send to everyone. And, and we went to a parade or two, or we went to a Christmas party. And you looked at the, the wish list on Amazon for your kids or, or whatever. You started figuring out what you were going to do for Christmas. And you had a lot of fun. And then it all came to an end. It's a little disappointing that it's all over. I mean, the pressure's off. No many, no, not many parties you have to run to anymore. Um, but yet, the Christmas tree and the decorations are just a reminder that it's come to an end. 
But let me take us back to that bookmark I talked about. Remember that little bookmark on the word Christmas? I'd like to bring us back to that. Let's go back there. Let's take a fresh look at Christmas. Let's take a fresh look at the word Christmas. You see what we did there? Take a fresh look at Christmas. We're going to take a fresh look at that word, quite literally, that word Christmas. Let's unbundle it. It's two words, Christ and Mass. Christ, the Messiah. Emmanuel, God with us. Easy enough to see. Mass, a word we don't use very often. It's a Thanksgiving or memorial, and it's more than just gathering together, um, more than just praying, more than just uh, having communion together, more than singing, even though the words are beautiful and moving. That word mass, you see, means go. The word itself, derived from the Latin missa, from which we get the word mission, dismiss. Pope Benedict XVI said that the word dismiss has come to imply a mission. It expresses the missionary nature of the church. Jesus makes a relationship with God possible, but it doesn't stop there for the follower of Christ. We don't just become sons or daughters, but we go in the mission he has sent us to do as part of his family. So we keep the grace of Christmas going so that we never stop sharing Jesus. This is the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 19. It's why we exist as a church, to glorify God by making disciples who love God passionately, passionately, love God passionately and their neighbor as themselves. The verse itself Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. You know, last year, we sponsored a play called The Last Days of Judas Iscariot. Do you guys remember that play? Well, um, when I was putting together this message, I, uh, I used my computer, of course, and on, on a Mac, you can do what's called a spotlight search. I forget the keystroke. But anyways, it's a way to search your computer for any tidbit of information, a document that might have a word in it or, or, or a note, pretty much anything. And so I pulled up Spotlight on my computer and I typed Grace because I wanted to know what were the notes I had saved on my computer that speak to this idea of grace. And, and you know what came up was a document that uh, I had taken messages, uh, taken uh, notes on a, a particular sermon that was preached here around that time. It was preached by Pastor Ron. And I think it speaks to the heart of grace. Even to this message, the grace of Christmas to never stop sharing Jesus. I don't remember if I heard him say it or if it was me just kind of taking notes based on what he was saying or maybe it's a paraphrase, but here it is. This is what came up for me. Each of us needs to find a context in which we can talk to others about Christ. We need to engage like Jesus. It won't 
be comfortable. There were no comfort zones on the cross. Jesus told us to pick up our cross and follow him. Here are some ideas to maybe get out of your comfort zone. Maybe a few ideas to help you in seizing opportunities and moments to share Jesus. Invite your neighbor to have a meal with you. Ask a complete stranger how you can pray for them and do it right there. I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of folks who never get prayed on. Maybe there's an opportunity there to do it. Get to know someone out of your comfort zone. Become a mentor to an at-risk child through common grace. One hour a week, one child. Say hello more readily and engage with your neighbors in conversation. Or maybe go apologize to the person you offended. Colossians 4 reminds us, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace attractive and gracious so that you will have the right response for everyone. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up at this time. Are you willing to go into the unknown? Are you willing to go where it's uncomfortable? to the places where the message of grace needs to be shared. It's too important for the world to miss. The world needs grace as uncomfortable as it might be. Family, keep the grace of Christmas going so that the message of grace is never tossed out. You have been given the light of the world and the grace of God through Jesus Christ. We express that so beautifully at our Christmas Eve services the Christ candle, and as it was lit, we passed it, each one of us representing, receiving of the light of the world, and we pass it on to others. Family, keep the grace of Christmas going so that God's grace points people to Jesus. Jesus tells you to go, and he says, I will always be with you. He's going to light your way. Because he sends you on a mission of grace. Family, keep the grace of Christmas going so that we never stop sharing Jesus. Keep the grace of Christmas going, church family. It all points to Jesus. The beautiful name of Jesus. Let's all stand and let's respond in worship as we sing together. What a beautiful name it is.